things happen to good people. Father, we want to pray that you would give us open um, hearts, open minds to what uh, you are saying to us through what Paul's going to share this morning. And um, yeah, I pray that you would speak to each one of us. Amen. Actually, before I hand totally over to Paul, sorry, no, <laughs> I've just remembered I had a notice to you. I'm going to do away with the lectern this morning. I'm just going to put it over here. Oh, that's good fun. But I do need that. Thank you, Nick. Yes, I have the title. Why does God? Let's put that at the beginning because we've been saying a bit about why do bad things happen to good people. But why does God? Let bad things happen to good people. Because that is a big question. And it's a big question that I'm going to try and attempt to answer this morning. But I also will say at the beginning, I do not have all the answers. And we will never have all the answers to this question. But I do have some. And the answers that the Christian faith teaches us about this. So... Let's go for that ride that is. <laughs> Why does God let bad things happen to good people? Okay, so I want you to just picture the scene. I'm about 23 and I'm playing pool and uh, just like that. And my good friend, for those from Northern Ireland, uh, I think I'm going to pronounce it right, Jermage. I'm looking at Jane. Jermage. If you're English, it's Dermot. <laughs> Um, and I'm playing with him, playing a game of pool with him, about 23, 24 I was, and he just said to me out of almost nowhere, I can't believe in God. My gran, she believes in God, yet she's had loads of bad things happen to her. She's had cancer, she's had this, she's had that, and now she's dying, so I can't believe in God. And in this series, that's what we're looking at today, it's that objection but what about? And it's this. If God is good, uh, you can see that. Yeah. If God is good, a good God would not permit suffering or evil. Yet suffering and evil are observed in this world. And Christians are not exempt from that. They suffer too. Therefore, a good God does not exist. And I'm going to answer that objection today. Uh, and I'm going to say that God is good, that bad things do happen, yes, and they happen to good people too. But Christianity offers an answer, offers a framework, which I'll be showing you in a minute, for that question. And as I said just a moment ago, I'm not going to claim to have every answer. Because sometimes the suffering that humans experience demands not an answer, but just someone to be with someone and not to give words but a presence. I already feel emotional thinking about that. I will do my best at times not to be too emotional. And I'm going to do that by looking at four areas this morning. I'm going to look at God, the origin of evil, our sin, and doesn't God want to intervene? They're my four main points this morning, and we will go through those throughout as we go. So let's talk first of all about God. Let's establish that God is good. Ian prayed out 
a verse saying that God can do no wrong because God is good. So God is good. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to throw what we call some theology at you. That's thinking a lot about what the Bible has to say about things, but also what some other people who've spoken through the ages about God and who we think are good and what they've said about God is good. So God is good. He created the world, the universe, the stars, the animals, and ultimately he created us. And the Genesis account that we read at the beginning of the Bible talks about that. And I'm just going to read some verses from that, which says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male, female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. And then it says, 31, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And then that's at the beginning of the Bible, God talking about his creation, that it was very good. And then at the end, we get a picture about the future. We've talked a little bit about hope this morning in our prayer time and also in the service. And there's a hope as well that the Bible tells us about. And at the end of the Bible, so at the beginning we have Genesis talking about the creation of the world and it being good. At the end we have Revelation which gives us some pictures and some visions about what the world or what will happen at the end of the world. And it has this amazing passage called A New Heaven and a New Earth in Revelation 21 that says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice say from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And it's that picture at the end of the Bible that speaks, that gives us a hope for the future, can encourage us that what we see here and now will not always be. There won't be any more pain, death, crying. The old order will have passed away. So the story of the Bible tells us about God, our first point. It's that God is good. The whole Bible points to the fact that God is a loving God, that he cares for us, And he wants to rescue us. And there are different books that speak about different characteristics of God in the Bible. But the main story is that God is good. That he loves us. He cares for us. And rescues us through his son, Jesus. So my first point in summary is that God is a good God. He created the world and it was very good. That God is a God who loves us, cares for us, and rescues us through his Son. But God is a good God that gives us a picture for the future, the hope that we can have, where there will be no more pain, death, and suffering. My second point 
is the origin of evil. As we look at this subject, we can see that if we read the Bible, that actually the Bible doesn't just give us a picture of love and nice things and things being all good. The Bible actually also talks about the pain and the suffering that we see in the world. We see evil acts in the Bible like murder. We see rape and we see genocide. And this is all in the Bible. This is not outside of that. The Bible talks about these subjects that are really difficult. So, if we can see that in the Bible and we can look around the world and see that, what is this, where is this evil from? Where is the origin of this evil that we see? Now, this man here is someone who we call Augustine of Hippo. And he lived in 354 to 430. And Hippo is not an animal. He's not associated with taming a hippo or anything like that. <laughs> he, um, that's an area, North, um, North Algeria, uh, present-day Algeria and northern Africa. And he's a really important person in the world of theology. Uh, he's like what you call a big heavyweight, like a boxer. Um, he's got a big presence about him. And when he speaks, he really throws a punch. So uh, Augustine is someone that is, uh, who's applied himself incredibly to studying God and talking about God. And the world, the church, listens to what he has to say. And he developed a theology that it was impossible... We mentioned it again this morning. That it was impossible for God to have created evil. That God created the world good, as we described in the Genesis account, didn't we? We described how it was very good. Meaning it was free from the contamination of evil. That the evil in the world that we see is not being created by God, but it's a direct consequence of the misuse of the human freedom that God has given us and God created humanity with that freedom to choose good or evil and we read about that in the Genesis account we'll talk again about Genesis the book, first book of the Bible where we, it talks about the fall and the fall is this Christian term that we use to talk about how Adam and Eve were in the garden of Eden and a slippery serpent came up to them gave them some fake news in today's speak, as the Pope described it. <laughs> um, and they took the fruit, and, the, and it says in the Genesis, then the eyes of both of them were opened. And in Genesis 3:22, it says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. And in verse 23, it says, The Lord God sent them out from the Garden of Eden. And it's that freedom that God has given us to humans that he gave to us at the beginning when he created them in his image. But it has meant for a possibility of evil. That God in his goodness has created us uh, not forced to love God, but to love God out of a freedom that he has given us. And is that, that is what we call God giving us free will. Another theologian, who I'm sure you're probably a bit more aware of, uh, C.S. Lewis, also wrote the stories in Narnia. Uh, but he wrote this as well in one of his books, The Problem of Pain. Free will, though it makes evil possible, is also the only thing that makes possible 
any love or goodness or joy worth having. A world of automata, as of creatures that worked like machines, would hardly be worth creating. So we're trying to paint a picture here that God did not create evil. But there is space for it because of the freedom that he gave us. The freedom to love him and to respond to him. Now I'm going to try and use a picture a bit about this creation. I'm trying to explain this on a slightly deeper level. And I talked to Nick about this. And Nick didn't give me one. So I went for it. And... um, The Bible talks about God creating light and the goodness of God. And he looked at the world and he saw it and it was very good. And so therefore we believe that God created the universe, the stars, the sun. And the sun gives light to everything. But if we were on this side of the earth, then it's night time. It's dark, isn't it? The sun is still there, but there is an absence of light which means darkness. So it's not a created thing. Darkness is not created, but it can still be there. It's still a possibility. It's not something that God has created. It's something that is a possibility when we describe it as an absence of light. So the light is always there, but there's an absence of it. And there's an absence of it in the darkness in the world that we see, the pain and the suffering that goes on. So, it's a heavy subject, and I hope you're still with me. What is God's answer to this, the pain and the suffering and the darkness that then came into the world that we saw at the fall and after the fall? God's answer to this, he doesn't destroy our freedom. He doesn't let us suffer without also suffering too, because the answer is, is Jesus sent his son. He sent his son into this earth to be with us, to live amongst us. But that son was also um, suffered, tortured, rejected, innocent, yet put to death on a cross, on a criminal's cross, in, in, in fact. And at the hour of his death, he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then dies. So God knows what it is to suffer. But the Christian story, what we believe as Christians, is that that's not the end because Jesus rose again. He defeated death by rising again. And all the suffering that comes with that, he defeated on the cross by his resurrection. And that means that we can then enjoy a freedom A freedom that God has created to enjoy God, to be in relationship with God and to know God. And then also gives us a hope, a hope for the suffering that goes on now, but also a hope for the future, as Andy talked about. It gives us a hope that actually that suffering isn't permanent. There's a hope because Jesus has conquered over death, has defeated sin, and points to the future that actually there'll be a time when there will be no suffering and no pain, as we talked about in Revelation. So the summary of my first two points is that we've been building, I haven't got here yet, 
We've been building a framework, what we call a framework, a Christian framework, for answering the problem, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? This is my framework. There we go. And then this is representing us on our journey of life. And uh, as we go through life with its twists and tails and turns, we can make it through because God has helped us, given us a framework for trying to answer this difficult question. That God created the world. He created the good things in this world. He created us as humans as part of that. But he also gave us a freedom to love God. And as a result of that, there is space for evil to happen. There is space for suffering to happen. Things not to be quite right because of the fall. But Jesus was sent into the world to conquer that, to defeat those things and to give us hope and to give us a relationship with God. Now, Christianity has built a framework for answering that question about a good God, but bad things happen in this world. And there are other worldviews, things like atheism, uh, that talks about accidents and everything being accidents. And, and um, also Eastern uh, Buddhism, or whatever it might be, uh, around in the Eastern part of this world, but also um, Islam as well. Now, I haven't got the time to go through all those worldviews this morning, um, but I have written a tiny little document, which is part of my preach, which I then shelved, <laughs> and it's on the back. So if you want to read a little snippet about those world, other worldviews and how actually they struggle to answer this question, they, they don't quite have a framework for answering why, where, why there is evil and problems in this world. Uh, they have some answers, but they don't quite have a framework that Christianity has built and got. But we don't have time to go through all of that. <laughs> so I thought I'd just do a little note at the back. So please do pick that up if you want to know more or talk to me as well. But I've thrown at, uh, what we call a, a bit, good bit of theology at you about the Bible, and what the Bible has to say, what other people have to say about God. And that uh, has been answering that question. But it's good to give some personal stories as well to sort of highlight how God can help us when it's difficult, when there is death, when there is pain and there is suffering. And I'm going to share a story uh, for me with, related to my family. But I am very aware that in this room, everybody has had bad things happen to them. That's what living in this world is like. Everyone here has had bad things happen to them. And I'm aware also that, that some of that will revolve around death. And some of that will revolve around someone else's actions towards you. And these are difficult things. And so just be sensitive, I suppose, to those around you. But also I'm trying to be sensitive to say... Just before I speak about it, these things are not easy and I recognise they're not easy and that I, it's not always got an answer. But when I was younger, let me tell you a story about a family that I know well. When I was younger, I used to play a lot at a certain friends' house and I'm emotional now. <laughs> um, anyway, we used to hang out, play football, play cricket. 
snooker, boxing, you name it, we played it <laughs> as children. And uh, the house was always busy. There was always lots of brothers and sisters. It was a largest family. And uh, there was always lots of things going on. But there was a picture on the wall of this girl who looked about two or three. And nothing was sort of said, really, I suppose. Well, I didn't really know. Um, but I never saw her. She never came to the house or never came to any other wider gatherings that went on. So one day I plucked up the courage to say, who is this girl? And as I said, she looked about two, age two. And uh, I don't really remember the answer that those par- the, the, the people, friends, parents gave to me. But I do know the story. And the story was that this girl, age two, had been in the shop with mum and uh, she was buying some sweets. And as she came out of the shop, she ran out straight, straight into the road and was run over by a bus. And uh, that girl was uh, the same age as me. Uh, so she would have been 40 this year. And uh, my mum, I talked to my mum a few years about a few years ago about it, and we were just talking about the story and how was it for them as a community, a church community, together, what happened, how it felt for them. And uh, what was amazing was that night, after she'd been run over by a bus, um, they all gathered at her house. And uh, there was the largest group of them. And uh, they were really there just to support. It's that sense, isn't it? It's about being together, supporting each other. But someone said... She ran straight into the arms of Jesus. And it was those words that helped the community. The community were able to see a hope for the future. It wasn't just now and the death and the pain of that death, but there was a hope, a hope for the future, being with Jesus. And therefore then they know and can hope for that time too. Um, Her parents uh, are amazing people. Uh, they've been serving the church for sort of 40 plus years. And their children also serve the church and work for the church. Not all of them, but uh, some of them. Um, and I tell you the story because there wasn't really an answer as to why. But they can still uh, hold on to the hope that God gives us. Because God is a good God. He gives us a hope to look to the future. And to know that we can be with God in that future too. And there is pain, there is suffering. But God is a good God who still holds us in that time and helps us. Okay. Got through the story. (laughs) Third point, my third point, our sin. Let's just have a little bit of a lighter moment. Steve, could you... um, Set up the song, please. George Ezra. We like a bit of George Ezra in our household. He's a bit of fun. Um, And uh, he wrote this song called Blame It On Me. And these are the words. um, And Steve's just going to play the song. Can you see it?
George Ezra and interestingly I'm always looking Lizzie Butler where are you there you are I'm always looking for words in people's in the popular songs that are going on because there's a yearning isn't there for God and I believe that there's always words that are speaking about God and bigger things there we go George Ezra I don't know his background I don't know what he was brought up on but he wrote um, those words that said uh, what does it say uh, there in the garden, the gods of me and you, uh, and finding ourselves some treasure, but we threw it all away. And it's that sense of throwing away the treasure that God gives us, our sin, our things that we do wrong, that can create problems for us. And I want to say this as well, that uh, our sin, there are consequences. The things that we do and the things that we do wrong... There are consequences to that. Um, but that is not, and hear me correctly, that is not the only reason that bad things happen to us. It's just a little bit a part of it. Um, a decision to uh, maybe uh, have an affair can destroy a marriage or a family. And there are consequences to that. But actually, if we believe in God... And we ask forgiveness for, to God for those actions. God can bring good out of that bad situation. And God can help restore a marriage, can help restore a family. Because of his amazing forgiveness for us, he makes that possible. But I want to make clear what I'm saying here is that yes, there are some consequences for our sin, but that is not the only reason that bad things happen to us. That is definitely not the only reason. And if you're here and you think something is bad that's happened to you and you want to blame God, well, I would argue that is not true because God is a good God and he's created good things. God does not create the bad things in this world. And if you are wanting God to help and ask God for forgiveness, uh, then that God can change things and bring out good for you in those difficult situations and those bad things that have happened. And as we go back to the book, the good book, the Bible, uh, we read uh, as a book in there about Job. 
And Job uh, is a book that looks at the problem of suffering. And a brief synopsis of the story is that Job is a wealthy man. He has lots of livestock. He has a wife. He has children. But Job uh, loses all of that. And the book deals with the problem of Satan and looking at Satan, how he takes away things. But Job uh, does not blame God. All of his friends come alongside him and say to him, you're suffering because of the result of your sin. But Job does not blame God and does not believe that. And it says at the end, God answers them. God answers Job's friends. For you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. And he vindicates Job and restores Job to have a family and to have uh, livestock and be wealthy again. It's a really hard book, but it helps us in our understanding around the problem of bad things happening to good people. Um, it's not a result of Job's sins. It's not a result of what he's done. But it's the result of work that Satan carries out upon his life. The bad things Andy was talking about. The enemy. Um, but he refuses to blame God. And God vindicates him with that at the end. So to summarise my third point with George Ezra and Job. Maybe there's never been a sermon with George Ezra and Job in it. <laughs> But our sin, our sin is involved in this problem of pain and suffering and bad things happening. But it's not the only answer. It's just some of the answers sometimes. But Jesus, who showed us by his example of forgiving those who were put him to death on the cross, forgave them. And he, by his death on the cross, washes us clean and gives us a freedom to enjoy life with God. So that... Our sin doesn't have to matter. It's sort of like I want to write out this point and scrub it out because our sin doesn't matter because of what Jesus has done and set us free from our sin and from the pain and the suffering. So my last point I want to make is about why doesn't God intervene? The D of the good. And to answer that, I would say that God does intervene. God does miraculously intervene into this world, saving people from death, disease and danger and bad things happening to them. But not all the time. Not always. God does not always do that. And to use a picture for why that is the case, it's the now and the not yet of the kingdom but to sort of understand that as well, C.S. Lewis writes uh, about try to exclude the possibility of suffering which the order of nature and the existence of free wills involve and you find that you've excluded life itself. So life could not happen. So supposing I had a stick or a cricket bat. Oh, it's Graham here. <laughs> Just as I'm about to whack him. If God did intervene all the time, into this world, um, as I'm about to hit him, uh, it turns into grass and just gently falls on his lap. There you go, Grace, are you all right? <laughs> um, it's that sense of uh, God intervening, but if he did intervene and always stop something happening, things like wood would change property, wouldn't they? They wouldn't be wood anymore. 
And therefore, if wood is always changing property, the world would not exist. It couldn't work because we go to build something and then it would change. So it's a sort of materialistic argument that if things are changing properties because God is intervening all the time, the whole world would not exist and not work either. So that is why bad things still happen because, and, and how God doesn't intervene all the time. Because, well, he does. He can miraculously do that. But there are certain rules within this world that mean to make this world go round. And so therefore we live in a world that what we would call Christian, the Christian framework is, go back to the framework, is that we live in a world that is the now and the not yet of the kingdom. God's kingdom is here. It was brought to earth by Jesus coming to earth to dwell amongst his people. That was the start of God's kingdom coming to this earth in a new way. But actually it hasn't been fully realised and won't be fully realised until the end of this world. And it's a bit like, to explain that, what I mean by the now and the not yet of the kingdom, um, it's a bit like pregnancy. When you're pregnant, you have a lovely baby in your tummy. And um, the baby is here. But it's not fully yet, is it, in a sort of way that we all sort of experience humans. It's inside. So it's here, but it's not fully existing in the world that we all exist in. And that's a bit like the future of the kingdom of the now and not yet. God's kingdom is coming and is happening. So it is here, but it's not fully realised like a fully born human being is too. I hope that picture helps. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. And when we see God's kingdom now, it is breaking in. We do see miracles happening. We do see uh, pain, uh, sorry, disease, people being healed, people, no reason for being healed, uh, people having res- relationships restored, people being in their most generous and their most loving kind of way. But for the now, Jesus gives us some words to help us. And I'm just going to come into land with this. Jesus um, helps us for the now. He says, blessed, in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So he helps us now as well. And as we've talked about some of the stories this morning, that actually we are comforted in those difficult times. But also we have a hope, a hope for a new heaven, a new earth. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. So to summarise what I've been trying to say this morning. Our God is a good God. He is good and he created everything good. God is a God who did not create evil or bad things that happen in this world. God saves us from our sin 
through his son Jesus so we can know God and love God and be in freedom to worship God. And that God does intervene, but we live in the now, but not yet of the kingdom. I wish I knew all of that when I was 23, 24, (laughs) when I was talking to my friend Dermot. But I didn't. But I hope you can take something away from today that will help you answer that question. But also know that God is a good God. He's a good Father. We've been singing about that this morning. He's a good God who does not want bad things for us and does not punish us or blame us. Takes that away through his son. Um, Naomi, it's over to you. Um, We can play a song now to finish and wait for the children to come back. If you want to respond, Naomi will lead us in how we might do that. Uh, Yeah. Thanks, Paul.